This week, the metaverse is starting to unify. Netflix adds a halo to its gaming plans. Social media had to moderate hard. And Middle Earth is under attack. It's Sunday, April 23rd, 2023. And this is episode 645 of F5 Live, Refreshing Technology, a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat, through a podcatcher like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, TuneIn, or a myriad of other options through our live stream platforms, livestream.com, Twitch, or YouTube, where you can join the community and get ad-free versions of F5 Live and Pilchpoint, or on our website, plugitslive.com. Thank you for making us a part of your day. There are two ways that you can do that. The first is Sunday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern. You can go to f5live.tv slash join us. There you can chat with us in the studio. Give us your feedback on the topics as we talk about them. If you can't join us live, that's okay as well. Uh, You can always go to plughitslive.com slash subscribe. And there you'll see all of our shows, including F5 Live, Pilch Point, Plug Hits Live Presents, and a whole lot more. And of course, you'll find all the ways to watch, listen, and follow along. All right, we've already got people going in the chat room. Hello, and welcome. Hey, uh, it's it's uh, we're still here. We're still <laughs> we're still doing a show. Hooray! Um, we've we've had an inconsistent schedule, and we apologize to our uh, to our live viewers in particular uh, for that inconsistency. But we're back. Things are going well um, until Mother's Day, when things will go a little weird. But for right mm. now. <laughs> We're, we're back uh, in the saddle. So, how has your uh, how's your week been? Oh, busy. I mean, busy in the sense that I just keep. Uh, I mean, I feel like I don't accomplish anything, but I feel very busy. Uh, <laughs> I guess that's what it's like when you're trying to like make stuff work in ver- various things that involve Python packages and sure. like you know weird stuff. The instructions and ne- this is why a lot of uh, lay people don't like. Uh, Linux or some of these things, or although this is happening in Windows too, where like, oh yeah, you get instructions to do one thing, but then you suddenly you get an error even after following the instructions. Yeah. Because the instructions were for a very specific situation with a very specific build of a particular package or whatever. And like now your package is not quite new enough or too new. Uh, and so you got to find the older one or the newer one. And like, it, I, I don't understand. This doesn't happen with like regular Windows stuff. But the reason that I've been doing all that is because I've been trying to learn a lot more about the technology of uh, last. In our last episode, we talked about Auto GPT, and I've been trying to learn a lot more about how you can actually set up and execute on your own bots. Um, because I want, I don't want, you know, I mean, I still think that the quality of the answers that you get from uh, chatbots is terrible and continues to be. But uh, what I uh, but what I will say is, like the best shot we have at, at using it for useful purposes is to master the technology, know exactly what the different things do, and so I feel uh, quite 
you know, quite ignorant about, uh, about like, okay, here's the different models and what they do and how you can set them up to interact with each other. Because on the, like the very high, uh, there's a very um, high end of very like, you know, uh, ephemeral end of like, okay, people use ChatGPT and they ask it to write their term papers. They ask it to write articles and how is it doing? Not so well. Uh, but then there's the technical side of it, which is there's a lot more out there than just ChatGPT. There's a lot of different uh, different models that do different things, some of which are not even text chat. Uh, how can is there any way to use them for a good purpose? Uh, sure. How do they work? How do you get good stuff out of them? Uh, so I've been really trying to do a lot of like uh, digging into how you program a bot to how you program a custom bot to do things that you want it to do uh, and some of the new uh, stuff that's coming out. Uh, I feel like uh, that's an interesting area for me as a, you know, journalist and tech enthusiast is to look sure. at the things that you actually have to do to like make this run. Um, and so that's uh, what I've been spending a lot of time. on. That's fascinating. My time has been way less interesting than that. I bought a, a habanero plant. Oh. <laughs> completely cool. non completely non tech related. I've got a habanero plant and I got a calamundan tree. <laughs> so that's I've yeah. been desperately looking for something that doesn't plug in. Um <laughs> to to yeah. step away from things. And yeah. so and so, you know, outside gardening, we've got, we've got, uh, you know, tomato plants, and now we've got the calamundin and the habanero plants, and all kinds of interesting stuff. So that's that's where a lot of my time has been going when I'm trying to step away from screens. So yeah, I mean, I had to have something. It's that make that makes sense. Yeah, there's no escape from screens at my it's from screens uh, at my house right now. My son's birthday party was yesterday, and we had what did he want for his birthday party? A video game truck. There's a thing where you yeah. can get a. Although we could have just set up a bunch of consoles in the house, but you know it's something about having it on a truck. Uh-huh. So they come by with a trailer. They've got like a really long like couch. And with like you know ten screens or whatever, and people can sit and play. Um, so it's anyway. it's a portable version of what we do at Strike for birthday parties. Yeah, yeah. It's a, we we've even looked into the concept. It's it's really an, an interesting one. Um, and obviously, getting together and doing you know and gaming, it's it's the the. I don't know the the community aspect, the the social aspect that that you get being in person that you know is different than playing on Xbox Live. Plus, you know you've got other ac- uh, issues there. But yeah, I, I'm glad he had fun. Yeah, yeah, he had fun. Of course, what did he do? He played Minecraft like he, he could have, like he could always do. Uh, you know, but that's that's kind of the funny part, you know. <laughs> He could always do that, but that's what he did. Sure. I mean, it, it, same thing. Same thing last week when I took him to, um, I took him to the uh, Metropolitan Museum. Uh, not so much the Museum of Modern Art here, where they actually have a, um, they have a video game exhibit. 
mm-hmm. and what and they you know where they had a bunch of um a bunch of like games on display uh and what did he do he went and wanted to play the minecraft one i was like hey you could do that at home uh i mean i got i spent like a few minutes playing tempest if you remember that one. Oh yeah so that's uh, that's one that that's one that comes up in conversation at the shop fairly frequently actually because I, I love the controls because you have the dial which you never that and asteroids i think are the only games that that had that dial interface is that right at least that properly took advantage of it yeah so you can use it for was, pong that, and all kinds of things but yeah it was the only one that really took advantage of it properly yeah so anyway sorry uh so that was uh yeah i can't have no escape from screen this one i'm trying to say <laughs> yeah I get it. Uh, before we get into the show, a little bit of housekeeping. You'll notice some changes to the Pilch Point tonight. Um, enjoy them. Just warning you ahead of time. There's going to be a couple things that are different. So enjoy. And with that, let's get down to the news. This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live Refreshing Technology is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a new laptop, tablet, Xbox, games, or a whole lot more, you can get them at the Microsoft Store. Remember, current students, faculty, parents, and active military can save up to 10% off almost everything. To browse the products and learn more about the discounts, you can go to f5live.tv Microsoft. So we've talked a lot about um, the metaverse over the last, I don't know, year or since it became a, a popular topic. Um, and obviously, that's that was the topic du jour before generative AI kind of took over. Um, but metaverse is still happening in waves of whatever. Um, and one of the things that we've talked about and been concerned about is the fact that, you know, the difference between what... Facebook slash Meta is up to and what Microsoft is up to and you know everybody's doing their own thing and there's no consistency you might get locked into uh, an ecosystem with with purchases and um, that has been you know one of our big concerns the good news is there has been an organization kind of in an incubation phase uh, that is called the Metaverse Standards Forum similar naming to the um, uh, High definition forum and the the ultra HD forum and the 8K forum and um, the idea is to create a standard or a set of standards that everybody, at least all the members, will um, abide by. One of the the best known uh, ones in recent years is the Wireless Power Consortium. They created the Qi standard because uh, there were originally three, um, and they were all kind of fighting each other, and then. If you switched from a, a Samsung to a Nokia, nothing was going to work. And God forbid you had an HP or a Palm. It wasn't compatible with anything else. Uh, so uh, WPC said, here's what we're going to do. And even Apple got on board. And we know Apple's not a big fan of standards. So um, that is what we're hoping uh, or what they're hoping will happen with the wireless, or the Metaverse Standards Forum, 
Well, this week, the organization went from incubation. Um, they were they were incubating as part of uh, an organization that starts with a K and has completely slipped my mind, and I can't see it in the article. Um, the, no, it's because it's not on my screen. The Kronos Group, with an H. Um, but this week, they have gone independent. They are officially their own incorporated organization, um, which means that with that comes proper membership and, you know, nonprofit status and a whole bunch of things that allow them uh, to properly operate as an independent organization and get things done, do the lobbying that needs to be done to uh, trade groups and industries and things like that. So uh, this is this is a big move forward, right, Abram? Like I said, with inductive power and things like that, things didn't didn't start to standardize until we got our standards committees. Hopefully, uh, this will be a good sign. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, we can hope that there will that we'll actually see something more useful out of this out of this environment. Because, I mean, if we're talking about like what has been going on, it's just not been very uh, with the metaverse. It's just not been. There's not been a lot going on. Like I was yeah. having lunch this week uh, with lunch this week with our new CEO. We got a new CEO at our company and they had like a big lunch. It wasn't just me. And I think we were talking about things that were fads that like came and went and everybody was saying, ah, oh, metaverse, that sounds like a fad. Nobody's talking about it anymore. Sure. It, topic du jour, right? It's, We've always got, and it doesn't matter whether we're talking tech or politics or whatever, there's always the hot topic and not the retail store, but there's always the hot topic, whatever is the cool thing. And everybody throws their, their time and their effort, their money into it. And then, you know, if it turns out to be a fad technology, 3D TVs, then all, all of that time and effort and research ends up just disappearing because I don't even know if you can buy a 3D TV today, right? Uh, and that, interestingly, part of that came down to, um, and that was an accidental reference, um, but some of that came down to a lack of standardization in uh, 3D TV technology. And so that just kind of disappeared over time. Uh, and maybe with a, with a standard thing, Maybe the technology won't go away. Maybe people don't care. I'm going to be honest. I'm, I'm a gamer. I'm a tech person. I cannot bring myself to care about VR at all. Um, AR, I think everybody, all of our longtime people know, AR is something I'm very interested in. But for some reason, VR, I just cannot care. Um, as much as I've tried. Uh, the fact that the headsets make me a little sick doesn't help. But... I don't know. VR has never, never interested me. Uh, but I know, you know, for a while, like you said, for a while, it was a big, it was a big thing. And then people just stopped talking about it. Facebook changed their corporate identity. And then that was the end of talking about the metaverse. Possibly because of that. But <laughs> I don't know. Do you, do you think, I, I guess it's a great topic do you do you think it turns into a fad technology or do you think we see it uh cycle back around nope i think it's i think it's a fad um 
I mean, it's unfortunate because I I think the idea of VR is very solid. Like the, I mean, it hasn't gone away away like 3D, sure. but sure. Um, I mean, it, Meta I think Meta's got a a Quest Three in development. So I, I mean, I mean so, they haven't let go of the concept for sure. You know, my my son has a Meta Quest. And he uses it for a few things. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not really a lot of great games for it. He uses it primarily for like Minecraft and VR. Um, you know, because everything with him is Minecraft, everything. But yeah, um, yeah I mean, it's. I really don't, <laughs> don't know what to say. It's just like you. You do, um, so it's usable. It's not the technology is fine. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with the technology, but, you know, it just not, um, it's not really, uh, you know, that there's just not really killer software for it. Yeah. And, and the software that's out there, like the metaverse software, right? Right now, they're all disparate. There's no, like, there's no continuity. We've got a standards forum. Maybe that'll change. There's currently no continuity. And um, it's essentially PlayStation Home, which also was a failure. Several generations of PlayStation ago. You know, it. I don't know that second life on your face is a thing that's ever really gonna catch on yeah that's 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 the thing it's like i listen i was the biggest proponent you can go back to some of our shows years ago of hey people need you know people are going to be wearing headsets all around and they're going to be wearing it a for ar wherever they go Mm -hmm. um and then they're going to come home and hang out in VR. It's going to be like Ready Player One. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, we could still get there. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not... I think what's really lacking is not even the hardware. It's mm-hmm. the software and yeah. the compelling experience. Um, and, you know, I I don't know. It's, it's interesting because we could have... We certainly could have had a moment there... You know, when more people were in, when people were in lockdown, a lot of people were in lockdown and it, like, hey, that would have been a great time for, you know, VR to, to take off as yeah. a social uh, medium. Yeah. But, uh, but even the company now, that changed, but even the company that changed their name, their avatars didn't have hands or arms or legs or like, it all felt like a Wii. Right. Yeah, they still can't they still can't quite get it right. So I don't I don't really know what to say about it. You know, you maybe, gotta like maybe, maybe if the goal isn't, you know, f- to completely control the entire thing, right? And there's some stuff that's standardized, maybe without duplicating efforts, they can actually put time and effort into the experience instead of putting time and effort into the um, uh, 
technology, right? That because I think yeah, oftentimes that's that's one of the problems, right? Is you know when you've got ten companies all trying to compete with each other on the same thing, you're spending all your time building underlying frameworks and communications pipelines and all the things. But if there's a standardization, like with Qi, if all of a sudden you don't have to worry about what does the coil look like in the phone? What does the coil look like off the phone? If all of a sudden all you have to do is worry about how to put it into the phone and everybody else can worry about their part of the experience, it works a whole lot better. And everybody's happier and now... You know, you find Qi products everywhere. You find inductive charging everywhere. That's not possible if you've got 10, 12, 20 companies all competing in the same space. Maybe that's part of what's been going on here is there's just been no way to build something compelling because everybody is building everything. Yeah, that I think I think that's fair to say it's. There, but you know, I I don't see a lot of evidence that there that there's going to be a lot of traction here. I think, I think what's really going to happen is that probably AI is the new thing. So now we're all even though these two things really don't have are not exclu- mutually exclusive, right? right? Because you could have AI that powers your VR, and it, it and one does really not have to do with the other. But I can sure. totally see that the new the new hotness right now is is that they want um you know everybody in tech everybody who's running a tech company wants to say that they're doing ai uh-huh so uh just like everybody wanted to say blockchain a few years ago right right so i also think it's going to have have its comeuppance but uh, apparently not yet so you mean blockchain no ai oh. Um, okay. Yeah, like I, AI I agree bot, with that. AI bots. Yeah, because once I, again, I, think, I mean, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of repetition. It's a lot of people trying to compete in a thing that nobody quite understands. Uh, AI, a generative AI, is cool to people, and then just like just like three D TVs, I, I'm with you. I suspect that for most people, it'll stop being interesting. Yeah, I mean... And some other thing will become the interesting thing. Because that seems to be the way it works. In every topic, in every industry, in every whatever. You know, one week... Yes. One week you're hearing about this thing, and then the next week you don't ever hear about it again, and you're on to something else. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate, though, because the hype is very... Well, we could talk about this later, but the hype is very can be very dangerous, right? Yeah. I mean, there are people who are losing their jobs. There are people who are making investments based on... Uh, bad advice that they get from this. So there's there's real consequences for something for this. But um, you know the last. But I I just don't think that it's anywhere near to living up to the hype. And uh, we could talk about that in my second. Yeah. Uh, but you could be talking about AI, or you could be talking about the metaverse. I don't know. Yes, that it's that's living true. Up, I don't know that it's living it, it's, up to the hype. And. <laughs> I don't know that it's, it's ever going to actually take on. It's not. It's not living up to the hype. But I'm not even sure if the problem is a technology problem, right? With with uh, with AI, like yeah, there needs to be better software. It's certainly not. It's not really a hardware problem. I don't think. Yeah. But I think it's uh like, where are you going to get the cool 
the cool kids to go, right? So like, think about, we've talked about this so many times, like who are the influencers mm -hmm. that are going to influence people to use it? Right. Like people influence like TikTok, like Twitter became a thing because there were, you know, some influential people started using it and other yeah. people followed them there, right? Uh, and, because it because uh, it initially carved out its niche as the place where where you could interact with celebrities, right? And and, and they were just fortunate that they actually got celebrities to go along with this, right? Because right. no one was no one was you know as far as I know no one was incentivizing giving them a great incentive to do so. You know, wasn't it like Shaquille O'Neal like the first person or one of the first big names on on Twitter or something? Uh, I think Twitter's never been my and, thing. I don't know. Yeah, me neither. But uh, although now I use, ironically, now I use it more than more than before. But uh, and not because it's getting better, because obviously it's got a lot of issues. But um, but you know, I think the thing is, it um, yeah. So. For, for, for Metaverse, I think what they need is very simple. They need to to have something where they can convince someone who is an influencer or a bunch of influencers to come and yeah. say, hey, this is the this is the place to you know to hang out with me. Uh, and then you if you see the osmosis of people coming there, they'll have something. Yeah. That is the that is the big the big issue. They need to have the osmosis of having something. If they don't, then you know nothing nothing happens. Yeah, that that totally makes sense to me. Um, the standards board could be the thing, or standards forum could be the thing that that helps uh, bring that the ability for a company to focus down. Um, but you know, as, as per usual, only time will tell. This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by PureVPN. The best way to protect your privacy online is with PureVPN. You can hide your online activities, say goodbye to regional restrictions, and improve your streaming quality. Plus, it's available for almost all of your devices. You can get a special price and a 31-day money-back guarantee right now by going to pilchpoint.live slash purevpn. I warned people at the top of the show that some changes were coming. There, there you are. Uh, new music. I really like it. I I was dreaming out over here. Uh, but anyway, Avram, we've got uh, we've got more AI stuff going on since as we were talking about in the last segment. That is our topic du jour right now. Yes. So I want to talk about a couple of things, but most of all, I want to talk about something called Jarvis. Um, so Jarvis... Uh, is Microsoft's new? I'm looking up because I may have a demo running, running that I could show you. May being the optimal word. So fingers crossed. Uh, fingers crossed. So 
only something I've been working on for two hours because I had it had something working before. But anyway, let's start by talking about what what it is uh, and why it matters. So Microsoft's uh, engineer, Microsoft researchers uh, wrote a paper that they published recently about um, they actually use the word Jarvis for the name of one of their projects, but everybody up the name of their GitHub page, but everyone's calling this Jarvis, I guess, because they like, um, I guess, because they like it, the, the name, because uh, it reminds them of Marvel. Anyway, so the idea is that one thing people don't think about enough when they're thinking about AI uh, is that there's a lot of models out there. There's a uh, chat GPT, which has gotten all the attention and Bing chat are based on one large language model called GPT 3.5. And now it's upgraded to GPT 4 in some places. Uh, and but that's just an LLM, a large language model, which, uh, you know, works with text, but there are thousands of models out there for very, that are good at doing very particular things. There are some models out there that are good at, uh, analyzing images. There are other models out there that are good at creating images. There are models out there that can analyze sound and others that create sound. There are models out there that can analyze video and create video. There's one, there is a system that I am, that I was reading about yesterday that I think is going to come into beta where it's just pure text. Well, NVIDIA demonstrated one, and I think there's going to be an open, uh, another system that's going to be open where it'll just be, this is not Jarvis, is something else, text to video. So you'll say, uh, like, uh, NVIDIA showed uh, a demo of, like, show me a stormtrooper vacuuming on a beach. And, like, they got a little video of a stormtrooper vacuuming on a beach and it's photorealistic. Uh, and, you know, I don't know if they cleaned it up, but it looked really good. Um, so there's a lot of models out there. Jarvis is the one model to is Jar Jarvis is the one framework to rule them all. Um, what you what you do is it creates a a chat bot uh, or another interface where you can ask the bot to do something and it will go out kind of behind the scenes and show you what it was um, like what models it used to accomplish the task. Uh, so it can, you know, you can feed it an image and say like, Hey, uh, you know, for example, um, you can feed it here. Actually, I have it running. So I'm going to show you, uh, and hopefully, uh, I at least have one typed ex one example here that, that I already did. So it already works. Uh, so let's go look at this. So in my screen here, I am running, can you see it? I'm running this under Ubuntu, but you can actually, you don't need Linux to do it. I have a tutorial going up probably tomorrow about how you can try this yourself. Uh, so, um, this is now they're deploying Jarvis into something called hugging into a chatbot called hugging GPT. What's with all the hugging? There is a site called huggingface.co. And this, believe it or not, is super important website for people who are developing AI. Uh, 
it is a repository of open source data sets and models. You can build stuff there and share it. And there, they have API keys and uh, just a lot of stuff uh, runs through Hugging Face. And so they built a little model in it called Hugging GPT. Uh, and you can actually get it right on, actually, it's probably the best place is just to go to my, Hugging. Um, Microsoft has their own little section on Hugging Face. And uh, you can go to Hugging GPT. And, and you can do it here. Uh, with, you have to paste in, now watch, let's see if this works for me. It wasn't working for me before. You have to have an open API, API key, which you can get for free, although there's a limit to how much you can use it before you have to pay. And then you have to have a, uh, a hugging uh, key. Well, look what happens. This usually takes a second or two, but tonight, I guess a lot of people are using it or something, and it's telling me it's going to take 3,000 seconds to read my API key. Well, <laughs> do the math. That's going to be longer than we have here. So uh, I installed a local copy uh, of Hugging GPT on under on a virtual machine on my computer so we can try this. So um, one thing that you can do is you can ask it about images. So um, you can ask it about images if you give it the URL of an image, uh, or if you have some stored locally and you've got a local bot. So uh, so this one here is an example. It says, given a collection of these images, tell me how many zebras. So one, it, the first, so it shows, it asked about three images, right? You, as a human, we now know that there are four images. Based on the inference results, there are totally three pictures with zero, one, and two zebras respectively. For the first instance, a result of object detected task is a cat and a potted plant. For the second is a zebra, uh, and it tells you exactly which model it used. Um, now, what's really interesting is in the, it's not showing it in this local version, but in the uh, web version that I had open before, when it works, it actually shows you like a little sidebar with like, um, with like showing you exactly what, let me see if I have, yeah, see? So it has a little sidebar showing you exactly the like JSON or whatever it received from the different models that it was using. So I thought that was pretty cool. So you can ask, so what it's doing here is multiple things, right? It's, it's looking at the image, it's identifying stuff, and then it's answering questions. Um, now, you know, you can also, let's see, please, uh, please generate a canny, a canny image based on this. Let's see how that, that, these are all examples. So I'm doing things that are easy for it because uh, they were tested. I have to say that an example that I saw for it, uh, I've carefully considered your request and generated a canny image. Actually, I don't know what a canny image is because it looks it looks identical. Oh, the inference was just text description of herd of giraffes and zebras grazing the field. Unfortunately, the services were unavailable. Okay, yeah, see that that I've had that problem a lot where a service wasn't available. I've also had a problem where I fed it something, and it what it what it said it was was not was not very good. So, for example, I fed it a picture of an SSD. Uh, so here, I'll, 
so for example, right? Let's say I took a, took a picture here, which is a picture of of it, and I got the URL, the the image link, right? I got the exact URL of the picture, and I gave it to it, and I said, not just what it like, what is this? Would be just the most basic thing, but you know, uh, where can I buy this? Right. So, for if this worked correctly, what it would do is it would identify that this was a Samsung 990 Pro SSD, and then it would go out on the web and find some links for it. Let's see what it does. Well, it did load the image. Sometimes I've given it URLs where it somehow was not able to load the image for reasons I don't understand. But last time I did this, it said something like it was a box. So, once again, the hype and the reality, different things. Um, but what I think is really interesting about all of this, let's see, what did it say? Based on the information, I can suggest you can purchase uh, this item by finding a retail store near you or looking for it online. Oh, thanks. That's great advice. I've used the following models. Okay. The image can be found at your best bet for purchasing this item. <laughs> what does that mean? It doesn't know what it... Very helpful. At least it knew it was electronics, I guess. Uh, I'm going to ask it what was in the image. Let's see if that that sparks anything for it. Um, there's a great example, though. I'll see if I, I will pull up the, the picture from their, from their paper while we wait for this. And here's sort of what this is the, uh, the paper that they wrote. This is actually, no, this is the web, this is the uh, GitHub, and then there's there's actually a PDF of their like research paper, but in it is this chart, which is kind of fascinating. And it says that like ChatGPT is the controller here, and then it does task planning. What am I going to do? Model selection. Okay, which are the models I have access to? Uh, figuring, doing the execution, and then sending you back a response. So here's one that actually, if I could do this, would be really interesting. It says like the Please generate an image where a girl is reading a book and her pose is the same as the boy in the in this example image. So they just fed it this picture of this boy. It analyzed his, it found the boy in the picture, analyzed his, I don't know, pose, his gait, and then it showed her uh, sitting and reading a book. I mean, I don't, I don't know if that, you know, I guess that's accurate, but what, but it's amazing. But you can see there was a lot of different things going on here reading a picture, analyzing the position of the person in the picture, and then outputting another picture. Uh, and of course, talking to you and text about, hey, I've got your request and I'm working on it and here's my answer. So that's a lot of interesting stuff working together. Now, in the end, people who are just users of this technology probably aren't gonna notice this because this is how they're all gonna work. You know, They're all just gonna work behind the scenes. If you're building your own bot though, you might be more interested in this type of thing. Uh, well, it was very confused when I asked what was in this image. The image contains a conversation between a user and an assistant. What? <laughs> I'm on board. Uh, Makes sense to me. <laughs> and then again, so so again, these things don't work as well as we like to say. Like they they don't do a very good job. Um, is it telling you, know, you what it thinks the conversation was? Is that what that says? Uh, 
Oh no, the inference results the image intent was an error message indicating the path of URL, but the conversational inference result was a response of sure I'll help. I have I have no idea. It's just bizarre. Uh, I want so, I wonder if it's because it was a WebP image. Uh, I've tried it with JPEGs. I don't, okay. I don't think that's I don't think that's the the case. Um, but uh, you know, I think that's kind of an interesting thing that people can try. Speaking of trying things, uh, while we're talking, I wanted to talk about. Uh, so I had another. I had an article that I put up earlier in the week about something called Baby AGI. Uh, actually, I put it up just the other day about Baby AGI and AutoGPT together. We demonstrated on a previous show AutoGPT, which is a thing where you just give it a task, and it kind of runs with the task for you. There's a similar uh, piece of software called Baby AGI that I tested, uh, and they both do a bad job. Um, but one way in which they do a bad job is that they make stuff up. So, uh, so here's a great example. I I asked it the uh, AutoGPT to create a website for a fictional company, web design company called Geek and Chief Designs. I just gave it a handful of, of requirements. I said, uh, three-page website uh, with a contact us page and a privacy policy that says we don't collect or sell any user information. I did not say, now, Geek and Chief Designs doesn't exist, so there's no information on the web for it to get if it were going out to the web uh, to get information. Uh, and here was the homepage that it, it designed. Uh, welcome. We design and create websites that are customer-centric, mobile-friendly, and visually appealing. How would it know? Like, that's jargon that a lot of web, yeah. develop, web design companies would use. Yeah, that's what But that that's is. not necessarily true, right? Uh, Geek and Chief Designs provides websites and web applications development. Our team of experienced developers. What if it's just one person? <laughs> You know, like it didn't, and part of what's going on here is they don't ask follow-up questions. They just, yeah. in the absence of information, they just make things up. So if you were hired to write, and by the way, this is its great web design. They put the like slash N in the, in the HTML. Nice. Um, but um, I think if you were asked uh, to design a website for someone and they didn't get, and write the copy and they didn't give you much information, you would come back to them with a question. You'd say, well, what, what can you tell me about your organization? How many people are there? What do you do? Can you, right. These autonomous agents don't do that. Uh, and, and actually, even the regular chat doesn't do that. I don't know why, but the things are never, are never in the absence of information, they will make things up instead of asking you for more. I guess the idea is to be self, to be, to have the human do as little work as possible, but the end result is just lying. Um, the other thing is the privacy policy that I asked it, uh, and I asked it to create a privacy policy that said that there was no, uh, we don't collect user information. It directly disobeyed that and wrote a privacy policy saying that we collect people's name, address, and phone number. Well, that's helpful. You know, so it, it, it directly contradicted what I told it. So, you know, I, I, you know, like, I just, you know, you can't trust these things. You cannot trust them. They, they may get better. But part of the problem isn't the technology. It's the fundamental philosophy that 
we're going to have the machines operate independently, as independently as possible, not cite sources if possible, and not ask the human follow-up questions so we can just spit out whatever. Now, if you engineer a really good prompt, maybe you'll get what you want, but I told it to write a privacy policy that says that we don't collect user information and it wrote one that said that we did because probably that's what it saw on other people's privacy policies. So what it believed it should say versus what I told it to say, it went with what it believed. That's a problem. So yeah. what, it so went with the, what I it went with the statistically more common situation instead of the thing that you said. Right. So one thing I've been trying to figure out is the right thing would be, can I create a bot that only answers questions based on what on information that I have fed it? Can I create one that will only say things that I agree, I approve of? Uh, you know, and that's something I've been working on as a project. So here's a, a Python script that I've been using with a framework called Langchain. And I'm still trying to figure out how to do this on a, on a large scale and make it work properly. But I fed it an article, which I have here in, uh, this is a, an article on what is USB 3 uh, that I wrote for, uh, for Tom's hardware. And I said, okay, let me feed it to, um, let me feed it to, uh, to the bot and it loads, you can do this in Moss, you can have it do like thousands of pages, but I'm trying to figure out how to put it into a database because otherwise the way this works is you'd ha it'd have to load them every time you run the script, which is obviously impractical. Uh, and then you can feed it a question. I mean, you could turn this into a web, you know, forum where a person would have a chat bot. So don't be fooled by the, put off by the, you know, fact that that question is just written here. Um, so I have asked it, how fast is USB 3.2 Gen 2 by 2? And I run it and it gave me an answer. You know, it, it gave me the correct answer, right? Um, and, and you can't, now, one of my problems though is this is using ChatGPT to, uh, so now let's ask you the question that's not covered in my document, right? Why is this guy blue? Now, if this worked the way I want it to, it would say, sorry, I can't answer your question, but I think it's going to answer my question. So let's see. Never mind this embedded with DuckDB. That's part of the Python. The sky is blue because of the way sunlight interacts with the atmosphere. I have it, by the way, show sources for everything. That's something that this Lang chain allows you to do uh, is to actually get the source. Um, so. That information is fine, except that's not what I want my bot to do. So I'm trying to figure out how to stop that. Um, and the reason why I'm trying to figure out how to stop that is if it can answer a question that's outside the scope, then it can give you information even about our stuff that's outside the scope. Like what if you ask about USB 3 versus USB 2, which isn't really covered in the document, and it starts to give you other information. That information could be wrong, something we don't want it to say. So... Um, I'm trying to figure out how to kind of make my own bot that will use only the data that I give it. And apart from knowing the English language, which it has to know, uh, sure. will not, will not give you, uh, will not give you information. If you ask it a question that's 
not covered in something that I fed it, it should say, sorry, I can't answer that question. Uh, that's what I'm trying to figure out because I feel like that would be a decent bot to have. Um, you know, if I could create one that had like the sum total of all the Tom's hardware articles or something in right. it, and then people could talk to it. Now, mind you, they still might not have a wonderful experience because they might ask it something that's not covered in one of the articles or that sort of requires compiling knowledge from different areas. Like, you know, what if it asks a very specific, like, I want a laptop that can, you know, run Visual Studio well, and we don't have an article about just that. Uh, it may give you an answer that's not, you know, great. So, but that's the problem that we have with all training data, with except I would rather have it in an exclusion way where, okay, we're only letting in sources of data that we trust um, versus, and versus, I mean, there was a story this week in the Washington Post about they looked through, there's actually a web page, I think, on the Washington Post where you can see what websites were used to train. Uh, I'm not sure if it's trained BARD or trained uh, GPT. And you can see that, like, there were a bunch, I mean, it was trained by everything. So uh, it was tr trained not only by reliable sites, but by, you know, very unreliable sources of information. It was also trained by very biased sources of information. It was trained by like Nazi sites and stuff like that because they didn't, they don't discriminate based on what the site is. They're just going out and grabbing everything. So, um, you know, that's bad from a, copyright intellectual property perspective. I don't want them grabbing my stuff and using it to take traffic away from me as we've discussed many times, but it's also really bad from a information reliability perspective. Like if every piece of data is treated equally, then it has an equal chance of being the truth, then nothing is valid. Yeah, that's an interesting, definitely an interesting situation. Um, Washington Post wants me to sign up for an account to read the article. I know that's why that's why I haven't gone in and done it myself, but the other people, I've seen other people have. Yeah, I don't know if there's another page you can go to to view this training data. We found out that there was something like point zero 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 two percent of the training data was Tom's hardware, but almost everybody when they put in their site gets point zero 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 two percent. So I'm not sure if that's an accurate number or just the number they give everybody. Um, so. Be fascinating uh, if it's just like but i like, guess like that's yeah, the so I, that's the uh the initial set value on the thing and there's the math is going wrong and so it never actually resets it it just gives you back zero zero yeah, zero two. i mean i mean who knows? it doesn't even really matter what that means yeah. whether it's zero two percent or zero or zero eight percent or whatever because your your data's in there and right. all somebody needs to do is ask the right question and they will get the data. Uh, the data may be plagiarism, as we've talked about before. Absolutely. Or the data may be misleading, uh, or it may be a combination of misleading and plagiarism. So, like, um, so that's why I don't trust these things. Yeah. But there's, you know, there's an opportunity to do something interesting. So, like, when the image recognition thing works, you can see that that's actually somewhat useful. Sure. Uh, I mean, some, somewhat, right? Like, uh, I don't, it, it, it managed to get the zebras, but almost everything else that I've tried to feed it that, that wasn't a specific example, it didn't do well. Uh, you know, 
one one that I specifically saw somebody call out was feeding it a picture of balloons on a string and asking what happens if I cut the string. And um, it's and it's supposed to say the balloons will fly away, but uh, instead it says this is a kite, nothing will happen or something. So <laughs> nice. Um, so it, you know, but look, I can see image recognition getting better. We know image recognition gets better. We also there probably is better image recognition out there, and it's just not using the best the best model because it's probably using an open source model that's not yeah that doesn't cost money. Because I'll um, tell you, I did um, I, I got a demo, God, twenty fifteen, I think, of uh, Watson's uh, image recognition, and in twenty fifteen it was impressive. Yeah, I mean, it can be good. Like, image recognition can be good, and it can be bad, and it it's not really clear to me. Like, I guess it's just how well-trained the model is, yeah. how much processing power you have. Uh, I mean, it's always somewhat of a parlor trick uh, when I have something that runs locally, because, I mean, I've had ones I think we may have shown on this show, like NVIDIA sent me their, like, little Jetson nano board a couple yeah, of years yeah. ago and tried the image recognition on it. And it would be really funny because it would tell you that you were like a cow or something. Like it was completely, completely wrong. Like yeah, yeah. a good chunk of the time. And this was an AI board that was made for this. Right. Um, but, you know, and I'm not necessarily sure it was the board. It was probably the software that they, that they had me using. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it can be gotten right. Right. There's facial recognition software out there that can recognize it with some degree of accuracy, like real people, um, in real places. Uh, so, you know, there, there, there's, there's stuff out there, but, uh, as far as the things that people are running in the bots right now, they're not necessarily very impressive. Uh, but it really depends. I think we have to have, uh, a very skeptical, these things are trying to make the claim that they can do something as well as a person can, and, and they're operating on that assumption. We have to treat that with a great deal of skepticism uh, because there are things that a computer can do way better than a person. Um, you know, but, and, and, but we have to you know, treat with skepticism how these are being used because it's dangerous to assume that they're going to work properly. Like it's yeah. that, uh, but by, by playing with them, by trying to kind of, I think, restrict the data to known good sources uh we can make something that's uh we can make something that's that's usable and and better we just need to be really uh conscientious of testing it and making sure that it works for the we pick something that works for the task that we wanted to and we don't read into it that wow this can just do everything and i can ask it and it's just automatically going to do whatever i want yeah that's knowing the limitations is really is really the key there are lots of them right now right right i mean and one of the problems is people ask at things and it doesn't admit to limitation right, right. like it it's doesn't that, it's got that air of confidence that a teenager has and it says everything yeah. it it says everything with that this is the case and oftentimes it's not. We've watched Google's stock price plummet, you yeah. know, sometimes right early on. Yeah, but now, unfortunately, and 
I, you know, I'm actually really um, irritated about this. It seems that we as a, I don't know, media and a society have kind of settled on these things don't work okay, but these things don't work, give wrong answers, but that's okay. And uh, I, 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 I don't, I don't agree with that at all. Like we have, we have settled on the idea that we can settle for misinformation, inaccurate information, and that's old news. That was last month's news or two months ago news. Now the, they haven't fixed it. There's still lots of misinformation. Uh, and they're wrong most of the time, but that's okay because we've moved on now from that line of that line of inquiry, and we just accept that we're going to get bad, bad information, uh, and still act on it. Like I don't think everybody realizes how bad the information is, and this, and how like how wrong it can be making things up. You know, it's it's very dangerous did we talk about the uh last week about the guy who's a law professor who was named at by i think bing chat as having committed an act of harassment that he never did i actually think it was google because i think i think i read about oh maybe it's yeah but yeah we did yeah. we did discuss that yeah i mean that's so like that's awful yeah so def defamation uh you know these things are defaming people. They're making stuff up. It's very dangerous. Yeah. Very, very dangerous. Sometimes an error message is the best message you can get. Sometimes you don't want your web browser to fake a web page when you should be getting a 404. Right. And that's and that's what that's what this technology is doing right now. Yeah. But and it's it's interesting. Uh, I I told Danielle this years ago. Uh, we were gosh, 2013, 2014. We were working on a project together, and we got an exception. And she's like, oh, that's not good. I said, no, that's what I was trying to get. I wanted the exception. The, the error was the point. Uh, right. Okay. And we went into why I mean, that was, why under certain circumstances that's what you want. You want the error. You want the exception. Sometimes that is the best thing you can get. Yeah. I mean, so... <sighs> I mean, this is kind of sad now, it's, but this is the world we have with search engines, right? You never mm -hmm. get no zero results. You can search right. for something really weird and you and you will get results. It'll just tell you, I found something that wasn't quite what you asked for. Right. Uh, I know you were looking for this particular recipe from this particular person, but um, here are pictures of giraffes. Will that do? Right. No. Right, because they, they don't, <laughs> because there's a business incentive for all these things to keep your eyeballs, to keep you yeah. there. Rather than yeah. to just tell you the truth, which is I don't have the information that you want. True. Or I can't do what you ask. Uh, you know, but anyway, I encourage folks, we have some articles about this on Tom's Hardware. Uh, I have an article about right now about uh, auto, uh, about why the um, autonomous agents, uh, baby AGI and auto GPT uh, are interesting, but uh, flawed. And then I have one going up tomorrow about Jarvis, which I just showed, uh, which I just showed you. Uh, and we we stay on, you know, and I hope to soon have one up about how to create your own chat bot, but which I've been able to do even looking a little bit nicer than what I showed you. But I don't I don't want to just show people that I want to actually fix it so that you can't get information that's not 
from your source. Yeah. And that is the trick that I'm trying to pull off. And it seems that nobody wants that. They want like all of the tutorials and all the code I found about it. It's like, oh, just use, just funnel this through uh, ChatGPT and ChatGPT will give you an answer no matter what. And mm -hmm. that's not what we want. So. It's the opposite of your goal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So uh, try, you know, trying to figure out, I'm kind of curious though, your, your opinion, if you had a chat bot, uh, you know, let's say we had put a chat bot on the homepage of Tom's hardware so yeah. people could ask question, relevant questions. If you asked a question that was outside the scope where we didn't have the answer, do you want to just pull the answer from somewhere else? No, I like being on Tom's hardware. I yeah. want, I want, I came to you for a reason. Right. right. But that's the and thing. So, I don't, I so don't want, I want people... your input. Right. The other thing is we can't vouch for the other information. Right. So if it just pulls something out of the internet, I don't know. I can't, I can't say whether I would, you know, whether that makes me yeah. look good or bad. Yeah, right? that's true. So it could be very embarrassing. So mm -hmm. anyway, I now, you know, maybe, maybe if the answer happens to be on Tom's guide, that's a different thing. Yeah, I mean, we, but... we could, we could, yeah. If we developed one for our site, then maybe we would have it backfill from other sites that we are part of our company and we trust. Yeah. But um, but the I think the I think the overall message is I wouldn't want it to just pull anything from right anywhere. Yeah, because you know if you're not if you're putting it under your banner, and this is this is one of the things that we talk about um, when we do like podcast consulting and stuff. Um, you want to be in control of the things that appear on under your banner, right? If if the logo on the top of the site says Tom's Hardware, you want more control over it than, you know, it going off and possibly pulling from some Nazi website or whatever an answer. Yeah. Right. That's yeah, not yeah. that's not what you want attached to you know, the Tom's Hardware yeah, brand I mean, or the Plug Hits Live it, brand or, you know, whatever, whatever, you need more control than that. Oh, the other thing is, the other thing that we've discussed, and I'll just leave it with this, is mm -hmm. no Section 230 protection for chatbots, right? Mm -hmm. So, so you know, if you had a search engine on your site and the search engine backfilled with results from, from Google, which I don't think I would like either, but mm -hmm. if it backfilled with results from Google and the, one of the results was bad information, you have, you know, you can, you have plausible deniability or whatever. You have, you, you can disclaim responsibility. Oh, it's just a search result. But if a chatbot says it, that's publishing. So you're responsible wow. for what the chatbot says. Wow. That's a, that, that bring, brings me back to, you know, the difference between using a pin on your phone and using face ID or, or finger ID. Uh, from a legal standpoint of whether or not a cop can force you to unlock your device. You know, yeah. Little, little oddities like that, that people just absolutely do not think about. Yeah. Fascinating. So wow. anyway, uh, so there's wow. more you can read about this in tomshardware.com. I'm spending a lot of my time staying on top of it. Cause I don't want, cause not cause I love this technology, but because <laughs> I realize it's dangerous and I want to, I want to make sure I understand how to implement it and how it works uh, really well. You want to be out ahead of Skynet. Got it. That's, 
That's what yeah. I heard. <laughs> yeah. Well, Avram, as always, I appreciate it. That was fascinating information. I mean, at the very, just the section 230 thing at the end. Fascinating. Worth yeah. all of it. Uh, so appreciate that. And I appreciate that you've been staying on top of this. I know it is, it's, it's like trying to, to nail down mud right now because everything seems to be constantly changing, but you know, I appreciate you staying on top of it and uh, keeping us in the loop. And I always look as, as always, I look forward to what we talk about next time. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live Refreshing Technology is proudly powered by EXA. EXA brings the latest technology to gamers, offering the most immersive products for the ultimate gaming experience. They've compiled the best elements of cutting-edge ENC tech, the latest in Bluetooth 5.0 and 7.1 surround, plus extra features into their headsets so everyone can enjoy a sensational gaming experience. And they've got headsets for Xbox, PlayStation, Switch, and PC. Plus, they won't break the bank. Learn more about the headsets that are available and any current promotions by going to f5live.tv slash exa. Over the last couple years, Netflix has uh, expanded from just uh, video content into gaming. They started by doing interactive video content. Um, You know, there was... Uh, Black Mirror Bandersnatch, and then they've gone well beyond that because that was a success. Uh, and even Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt has had these interactive videos. And then they got into Netflix games. Um, when it first launched, it launched with six uh, games, two of which were from a title, a title of theirs, Stranger Things. Um, since then, the brand has expanded pretty significantly. Um, there are dozens of games from a number of genres, all available to install um, onto your phone, whether you have iPhone or Android. Uh, they're completely free. It's similar to how the game subscription services work, Xbox Game Pass or um, Google Play something. That name has escaped me. Uh, Apple Arcade, where you get the game and you get the stuff in it. So you don't have to worry about you know pay to play or pay to... Um, to win, but they seem to have kind of stalled out. They've been doing a lot of licensing of external content. They've been bringing some studios on board, um, but they haven't been doing a whole lot of custom stuff, but that's about to change. They have hired Joseph Statton as the creative director for Netflix games. Uh, Statton is... Um, has been a big name uh, in the gaming industry, particularly on the Halo franchise. He started out as a writer. He has worked on both the Bungie and 343 Industries versions of Halo. So he actually survived the swap over from Bungie leaving Microsoft and going off and doing their own thing um, and has been working on uh, Halo under both brands. 
Uh, he obviously worked for Microsoft Studios as well. He's been a creative director. He's been all kinds of things. Um, and with a focus on the storytelling and dialogue aspects of the games, he has been a game writer for a lot of his career. So definitely a, a good person to bring in as a creative director, somebody whose focus has been on the creative side, not necessarily the gameplay side, but on the creative side of things. Um, it definitely shows that Netflix is serious about maintaining this division. We know Netflix you know, went through some financial trouble. Uh, interestingly, in the midst of when people would have most likely been interacting with Netflix content, you know, during COVID, but that's okay. Whatevs things happen. Um, and they started knocking projects off, but Netflix games has not been one of those things. They definitely see this as a big part of their future. The gaming industry has continued to grow, um, over the last couple of years, pretty significantly. We've seen, you know, the esports space grow, uh, but mobile games have been a constant growth space. So Netflix definitely wants to be uh, in this space, and I think this is a I think this is a good uh, hire for them to to be able to play in that in that space, especially with the amount of intellectual property that Netflix has. Um, not just Stranger Things, though two of the the initial titles were Stranger Things. They've got a lot of a lot of intellectual property under their belt that they could potentially do gaming or extended viewing content around um, and, and you know, make their content deeper. What have you seen in terms of gaming on Netflix that you thought was was good? So I really liked the, the 8-bit um, uh, Stranger Things game, um, which I guess shouldn't be a surprise for anybody. I'm a big Stranger Things fan, and I prefer old-school games. Um, let's see. There is a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game in there, and anything Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles can be fun. Um, oh, the, I forgot, the Exploding Kitten, Kittens game, the digital version of the card game is available through Netflix games. So, I mean, there's a lot of interesting stuff available in here. Um, some stuff is, feels a little, you know, rip-offy, um, right? They've got Into the Dead 2 Unleashed, Into the Dead, definitely a zombie game rip-off, right? Um, but they've got a Tomb Raider game. So, you know, they're not entirely... Mark, uh, messing around with, with nothing. Uh, there, I actually enjoy, uh, some of the games on here. Obviously, again, the Stranger Things, I've played through, play around, played around with the Tomb Raider thing. Um, you know, I actually do go in here and play these. I should probably start streaming this more, though. So, <laughs> which we did early on, but never you know, followed through on that, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but there's it, a lot of clutter. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I haven't seen anything that impressed me. I've seen a couple of things that were fun. So there was one, I'm trying to remember the name of it. It was called cat burglar or something where you were, you're like a, it's like a, 
it looks like an old fashioned uh, Looney Tunes cartoon, and okay. you're this like cat that has to break in a museum and steal things, and you basically to keep going, you have to answer the trivia questions. Okay. Uh, and if you get, and you like as you if you win, you get another painting, and like you keep going till you fill your wall with all the paintings and. It's just like it's a trivia game, but it's like kind of fun because of the, um, you know, like if you get it right, then your cat, you see the cat do something like, and if you get it wrong, you see the cat lose or whatever. Uh, it, although it reminded me a lot of Dragon's Lair in the way that you sort of, you do something and then you watch it, you answer a trivia question, then you don't control it. You watch it, do you watch a video okay. clip for a few seconds and then you answer something else but um you know it was fun uh i have had some fun playing like the trivia quest on there um but eh, you know i, I just, wouldn't say it was like great i just discovered there's a nailed it game so i know where i'm gonna lose some time too yep because <laughs> the the promo image is definitely a 3D version of of Nicole and Jacques. So I, I'm definitely going to lose a little bit of time to this. Hopefully they did voicing in it. Even if it's just small things, that would be enough for me. <laughs> so, but, you know, if, if they're able to do things like that, right, which I think brings us back to our last topic, even a little bit, um, staying within t- content that they control, right? They've got a lot of interesting intellectual property that they could that they could run through and off of, like nailed it, like Stranger Things. Stranger Things 1984 was a surprisingly fun game. I wasn't actually expecting it. Um, that was a that was a fun game, um, and I think it's because they fully controlled the IP. Uh, and so they had access to the people who made it, right? They could go to the Duffer brothers and say, what do we want to do here? How do we expand this? How do we, right? And if, if you have the people, if you have the content, if you control the ecosystem, you can expand, uh, expand a, a universe and, you know, make it a little more interactive. Interestingly, it's one of the things that was a concern when they expanded the Halo universe beyond Bungie and gave it to 343 was that it was going to lose its Halo-ness, right? Because they weren't the people. They, it was outside of the control of the people who created it. But obviously that wasn't the case with Halo, quite the same way that, say, Call of Duty kind of went off the rails uh, when the founders left. Um, so, you know, maybe... maybe with somebody who's able to steer the ship, we might start to see some more custom games in the universe of of the Netflix IP. I think that could be fun. I don't know that Netflix games is ever going to be the thing that somebody signs up for Netflix for, but I think that there's enough interesting stuff. And again, there's a lot of clutter. There's a lot of clutter. There's a lot of nonsense. Um, but, you know, they're offering a fully featured asphalt game. They're offering 
a Tomb Raider game. They've got exploding kittens. They do have things to make that category um, attractive to people today. And then if they can expand into their own thing, I think. If they can make their own games instead of mostly licensing them from the outside, I think there's a, I think there's a possibility they can have some success here. That's, that's my take on it. Mobile games are big. I've, oh, I've fallen into another one because because I have time to waste, right? I should be out playing in a garden, but I'm racing Mario Kart, but <laughs> chasing Pokemon. Oh my God, mobile games are destroying me. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Um, I, I think they can have success here. That's, I think that's my, my takeaway. This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live Refreshing Technology is proudly powered by Malwarebytes. Whether you use a PC, a Mac, or a mobile device, Malwarebytes Premium is the company's strongest protection ever. It fights threats that traditional antivirus software can't stop, plus it actively blocks threats like worms, rogues, dialers, trojans, spyware, and a whole lot more. It allows you to use your computer and mobile devices with confidence and peace of mind. To learn more and to get a special price, you can go to f5live.tv slash Malwarebytes. This has been an interesting week for content on social and uh, communications platforms. Um, two major platforms had to make uh, pretty strong uh, content-based decisions. Uh, based on their community guidelines, um, and both of them seem to have erred on the side of of um, blocking and not uh, allowing, which we have seen uh, more of recently. Um, Twitter has always kind of been on the kind of always erred on the side of of blocking content uh, if there was a question about their their content policies. In fact, they referred to it as editorial uh, decisions, which makes them sound like a publisher, but we won't get into, <laughs> into that aspect of things. Um, this week, there was um, a hack of a Daily Wire journalist. Um, um, Matt Walsh's phone was was hacked either with assumed sim duplicate duplication i don't know i speak english i promise somebody either duplicated his sim cloned his sim or um gained full access to his maybe icloud account um i assume he has an iphone um i don't know that to be true but i'll make that assumption um and accessed 10 years at least 10 years worth of personal information emails twitter account went on as Matt and uh, and tweeted. Then there was a journalist who, and there's a fine line here, this is where the editorial decision comes in, who um, was in contact with the hacker, wrote about um, and published an article, and then shared said article about um, that experience, um, which kind of is borderline on... Uh, Twitter's policies against hacked material. 
Um, but it turns out that said journalist, whose name has escaped me, something Dell, Dell Cameron uh, from Wired Magazine, turns out um, he solicited some of the hacked data, um, not necessarily through the platform, not necessarily through Twitter, but uh, and admitted to soliciting uh, that information, and that violates Twitter's guidelines. Um, and because Matt Walsh is not a politician or a big prominent figure does not fall under the uh, exception for newsworthy because a phone got hacked. Meh. If it turns out that somebody at Apple or <laughs> or you know a phone carrier was involved in it, well, then it might become newsworthy. But so Twitter uh, suspended the account of the journalist. Which they have done before, um, even with non-hacked materials. You know, we know the Hunter Biden laptop story, uh, the New York Post. I always struggle with which publication is which. Uh, I think it was the New York Post. Had their whole Twitter account suspended uh, over the uh, hacked data guidelines. Um, Even though that technically wasn't a hack, but it did share information, which put it under it. So Twitter being consistent uh, in their rules, even though there's been an ownership change, which, you know, we were really worried with the ownership change. Maybe some of the policies would be ignored. Sure. Wired magazine received a poop emoji when they emailed uh, the press uh, department. But, you know, other than that, policies seem to have, have followed through. On the other hand, we've got Discord, who is kind of known for not interacting with things, right? Um, it's a, it's a chat platform. So kind of in general, they don't get involved, but discord is where you've probably heard about, um, the leak of classified documents. It happened on discord. Uh, the initial leak of those classified documents happened through a discord channel and then onto a Minecraft server, which I find even stranger. Uh, and that's where they were dis, uh, disseminated. Discord decided to block the spread and resharing of that same information. Sure, felony to possess it. Discord probably doesn't want it on their servers. But, I mean, here we've got two companies having to make... You know, you and I have talked many times, Abram, about, you know, how strongly a platform wants to be involved in moderating or censoring content. You know, most... Most platforms generally don't necessarily want to have to get into that. Um, but here, I think uh, both platforms... I mean, Discord went above and beyond their normal their normal policies, and Twitter followed their, their, their kind of letter of the law, which I thought was, was a, a good thing. What do you think? I mean, they might, they have to follow. I mean, I want them to follow the, to have consistent policies, mm-hmm. right? Um, I mean, we could argue about whether or not uh, Matt Walsh is a famous enough person to whatever, but sure, you know, and whether uh, or not, and whether or not the hack itself becomes newsworthy based on his content, based on what happened. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, I mean, but if they have policies and they're enforcing them consistently, at least they're doing that. 
Yeah. I, and, and thank goodness, right? I, it's always, it's difficult when you have, you know, YouTube, for example. They have their community guidelines, but then they have what is called the Crowder rule uh, because of Stephen Crowder, where they, they say, well, it's not in our policies, but don't care. That makes it hard to, to know what's happening. At least with Twitter, at least we knew what was happening, right? They did it to the New York Post. They did it here. Consistency, fine. At least you, there's a target. There's a, there's a box that we understand what it is. You may not agree with their policy, and I don't, you know, one way or another, but at least it's a, there's a thing that we can aim at that we understand. Yeah. I mean, at, at least. So, I mean, that's, I mean, they haven't been nearly as consistent with their little blue check thing that we could talk endlessly about, but. Yeah. I mean, the. Both the inside and the outside of that organization are crumbling. I don't own any, I didn't own any stock in it. I am not an investor. I don't tend to use Twitter that much. So for me, it's been, you know, popcorn and a, and a nice fire and everything's fine <laughs> to watch from a distance. But here we, we had a, a surprising consistency. <laughs> So, I the one that I'm most interested in is is Discord. Um, you know, Twitter's being Twitter, okay, but you know, Discord kind of changed their norm. Um, there are whole Discord channels dedicated to all kinds of um, illegal and illicit material, and Dis- Discord just kind of, you know. Not my problem, right? They just, they duck in the corner and they go, yeah, is that happening on our platform? You're going to have to prove it to us. But in this case, they are actively going out of their way to make sure that these, what, 10 documents or whatever are not being shared uh, through their platform because it became one of the primary ways of distributing it once the Minecraft server uh, dumped the files. We've got a, we've got a, member of the military probably going to prison over this, right? Being charged under the Espionage Act, I think, um, over over sharing these documents. It's a big, big deal. And it's good that, I, I think it's good that Discord recognized what a big deal this was and acted differently from normal. Twitter being Twitter, I don't yeah. think is that big of a story. But Discord not being Discord, I think, is a bigger story. Yeah, I mean, well, look, they don't want to become known as a as a source of, I don't know, espionage. Mm-hmm. Right? They don't want they to don't... become WikiLeaks 2.0. They don't want to be the place where people go to to leak classified documents. Yeah, exactly. They don't they don't want to be that. Yeah. That's not it's not really what they would want, I think. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that's that's a solid enough uh, explanation for for what's going on. And I, I think, obviously, I think it's the right move. Both because I think them having it on their servers might even classify, you know, might even fall under the Espionage Act, even if they're not the ones that put it there, if they weren't active in, in removing it. 
Um, but they also don't want the the PR. They don't want the stamp, especially right now where they're they're doing the whole you know we're the everything platform, right? We're not just for gaming. We're the everybody can come to Discord and talk. It, it, except if you're trying to undermine the government, that th- there is a line, and mostly if people know about it. I think their name got put brought up in the in the news in a way that they weren't happy with. And so I think they had to act on this one, whether it was out of self-preservation or, you know, a feeling of duty or even, you know, the possible legal underpinnings of it. Whatever it is, I think they had to act on it. And it's probably in everybody's best interest, best interest that they did. No. Definitely. Definitely an interesting week for weird content uh, on, on social media. This week's DRM not included in F5 Live Refreshing Technology is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. We all know that you get free shipping on millions of products with Amazon Prime, but you get a whole lot more. Like free music with Amazon Prime Music, free TV, movies, and documentaries with Amazon Prime Video, free games and a free Twitch subscription to support the content creator of your choice with Amazon Prime Gaming, plus a whole lot more. We've got links to all of these features and some of our favorites, plus a 30-day free trial all by going to f5live.tv slash prime. All right. We got a weird one for you here. So, the Tolkien Estate and Amazon are being sued by a fan fiction writer. Now, fan fiction and copyright lawsuits, very common. They happen all the time, and it's usually the rights holders suing the fan fiction authors or artists or whatever. Famously, there was a preschool in Central Florida that got sued by Disney because they had an artist paint a mural that contained some Disney characters. Disney sued them because of copyright infringement. Then Universal came in and sent their own artists to replace the mural with universal characters. That's um, a different situation. But it's usually the rights holder of the original work suing the fan fiction for violation of copyright. In this case, it's reversed for a couple of reasons. One, the Tolkien universe, Middle-earth, is available. It has been available for a while And people have been writing fan fiction and additional stories within the universe for a long time. There are dozens of websites dedicated to publishing this content, and everything's fine. Um, Second, um, the primary claim here is that the Amazon series, the Rings of of Power, Ring of Power, um, actually stole content from this book um, for the series. 
including character names and things like that. Now, the character name claim is a little dubious because even Tolkien had a character in subsequent stories um, that used this name. But neither here nor there. Here's what happened. Um, the author, uh, Demetrius Polychron, wrote a story, a book, a fan fiction book called uh, The Fellowship of the King. Clever name. Um, and contacted the Tolkien estate to see if they could get it published. Um, the, the estate even publishes non-Tolkien stories within uh, the universe. And they said no. They worked back and forth a couple of times to no avail. At the very end, um, this author tried one last time, contacted the estate, contacted um, the grandson of Tolkien directly, hand-delivered uh, a copy of the manuscript and said, love to work together on this, ready to publish it, can we do it? The next day, the estate responded and said, absolutely not, not interested, bye-bye. Um, he tried to get his manuscript back, they wouldn't give it back, whatever. Fast forward to 2022, he has now published the book, Amazon is now releasing um, their, their series based in the universe, which is also new original content, um, and he's like, hey, some of this is very familiar. This sound, some of this sounds a lot like the manuscript that I handed to the president of the, of the estate and the grandson of Tolkien himself. Hmm. Ooh. And so here we have his attorney reached out, tried to, tried to solve it again to no avail. And so a $250 million lawsuit has been filed against the estate of Tolkien and Amazon for copyright infringement. <laughs> Absolutely wild that this is 100% backwards from what, what we're used to seeing in uh, fan fiction copyright infringement suits. <laughs> well, because they don't have copyright anymore. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the other thing is you... Amazon is claiming copyright to the characters that in in the rings of power i'm sure right mm -hmm. because anything they created that was on top of the existing works is now is belongs to them for Dep a long time depending on the relationship whatever the relationship is between amazon and and tolkien because they still have they still have approval over certain things in interact or uh in in uh video media so there there is a relationship between them there's a they signed a big contract i don't know what it looks like but yeah amazon probably has some rights to it the estate probably has some rights to it there's probably shared rights on it but yes there's gonna there's definitely a new copyright on new content that somebody's gonna hold on to with the rings of power for decades right right so this guy also kind of has an interest in that if he if he did create this if he's creating stuff that's similar they could sue him mm -hmm. so maybe he better sue first yeah true and 
So he has, interestingly, he has a trademark and a filed copyright on the content that is created. So sure, there, why not? So, so there is dating back to 2019. Um, so this is before even the announcement, I think, of the partnership between Amazon and the estate. Um, there is he had the trademark and the copyright filed before he handed smart man before he handed the manuscript to the grandson. Um, so it was all, it was all legal in writing, uh, logged away before he handed the manuscript over smart move. Um, so I mean, that's going to throw an interesting wrench into this unless of course there's no similarities other than the name. Uh, the, the big example that was used was, the name Eleanor, spelled E-L-A-N-O-R, um, which was a character name in his book and a character name in the TV show. But um, Tolkien himself wrote content using that name. It's actually Sam Wise's daughter. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I kind of, honestly, I kind of feel like I want to read the book. The first, yes, apparently the first of seven. Oh yeah, I wonder if he's yeah. getting review bombed. Yeah, who knows? It's possible. But I kind of want to read it to say. and then go back and rewatch the show and see how I feel. I'm not gonna. That's that's more yes. screen time. And again, I'm trying to spend time outside. That's more yeah, there you time. could get this. You could get this guy's book, except it's only available as an ebook. I think. See, so that, does that kind of screen time to you? Yeah, it could be. I, I do generally read. If I do an ebook, I do it on a Kindle. Right. But anyway, it's it's absolutely yeah. fascinating because again, it's backwards from what we're used to. For a number of reasons, but it is backwards from what we're used to, and I find that wild. Because the fan fiction stuff yeah. that, that we're used to, that we've talked about, is Nintendo suing artists, or Paramount suing uh, non-official Star Trek series, or the, the, the daycare. And this is absolutely backwards from everything we've, we've come to be used to. So this is going to be a fun story to follow. That's that's my current situation because there's interesting precedent here. Fan fiction tends to be ignored legally, right? It it tends to be either the, the fan fiction or the, the fan art is classified as as um, copyright infringement or the case is just thrown out. I don't think that can happen here. There's going to be an interesting precedent set here. I mean, I think I think what he wants is 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 some money. Especially if the book's That's a one-star rating. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are only a handful of people who read it, but yeah, this it sounds like he self-published it. Mm-hmm. It sounds like yeah, he one hundred percent like uh, he he said so. Um, in fact, he told the estate uh, when they wouldn't give the book back. He's like, "Fine, you don't want to do it. 
I'm going to publish it myself. Which, I mean, it's fan yeah. fiction. Of course, that's what happened. I mean, one thing, one interesting question, though, is like, is this a, could somebody do this as sort of a uh, lawsuit bomb or something, right? Like where, like you send your work out, you send work out to a bunch of places that you know are doing something, then you can come back late, you come back later and say, hey, I've got somewhat of a vague similarity to something that you're doing. I sent it to you. I think you copied my work and hope to extract the settlement because you don't, uh, you know, because that's a, you know, you could get some money. It happens. I mean, Amazon's deep. Amazon is deep pocketed too here, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they spent a lot of money on this thing, which apparently was a waste of money because I don't think a lot of people, enough people watched it to justify the. Certainly not a lot. They spent not a billion dollars or something. Yeah. Yeah, a ridiculous amount of money. And it like a comically large amount of money. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, maybe, hey, you know, like you guys spent a billion dollars on this thing. Where's my million dollars? Right. You know? Right. And you know, this kind of thing happens a lot. Um there are I heard a can't remember who it was. There was a a producer who said that he gets between 10 and 12, 10 and 15, something like that manuscripts, movie manuscripts sent to him a week unsolicited. Um, and he doesn't unseal them. He just RTSs um, because he doesn't want to end up someday in a position where somebody says, well, I sent you a manuscript that, was similar to this. Nope. Nope. Not doing that. Doesn't, doesn't unseal the packages. If they're not delivered by courier from one of the studios directly to him, he doesn't look at them. He sends them right back. Hands off. Right. Because, because it's, you can make with art. It's really hard to, I mean, it's really easy to make that argument and really hard to refute. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Like and if one of the big arguments here is that there's a character named Eleanor, I mean, come on, Tolkien used the name. It's going to be, that's a pretty vague, wild, yeah. wild swing. Yes. Yes. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot, there's a lot that, you know, I mean, I'm sure you could find lots of things in common with a lot of stuff. Sure. Uh, And, you know, we've talked about this in the context of AI, where I don't think AI has this, I personally don't think AI has this right of inspiration. But Mm -hmm. where does inspiration begin and and copyright violation? Where does inspiration end and copyright violation begin? Right? Like, if you say, I've been influenced by reading Stephen King, you know, and you you write horror novels, does that mean that he can sue you because you were influenced? Like, right. Like, where does, where... Ideas don't come from nowhere, right? right? So, so where when there it's a computer that has them, we can trace them back very specifically to where they came. But you know, some of the things that like, I mean, if you think about the song similarity stuff, lawsuits, yeah, like that I stuff happens still, a lot. Like I still don't get how like like. 
20 or 30 years later, somebody was able to sue men at work for like, for their like land down under song being too similar to some like children's song from like 30 years before or how like uh, Huey Lewis, and the news were able to sue uh, Ray Parker Jr. for uh, the Ghostbusters song. Right. right. They said it was too much. Like I, I want a new drug or whatever. Cause like there's so much like, Stuff like that where you're like, oh, there's just a few bars of music that sound the same and I'm going to see you. So, yeah, yeah. The, the world is wide open for lawsuit. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, like like you said, in art, I look at one of Steve Jobs' most famous quotes, good artists copy, great artists steal. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's It's kind of the accidental nature of the thing is... You know where is the where is that line between inspiration and full on theft? So, yep. it's I I think you're right. I think probably he's hoping for a settlement, something in the seven figure range, and he'll be be happy to go home. Two hundred and fifty million, I think, is is comical, um, and not at all even what he's going for. He's probably going for a high six, low seven figure settlement and he'll go home and that's what's going to happen here almost certainly um because i cannot imagine they're going to risk the possibility of of having to pay him royalties in perpetuity for sure uh because these copyright things are so subjective and so weird so there's a settlement coming here and they don't want the precedent so that's i'm i'm with you there Well, that is our show. Thank you for joining us. If you joined us live, we appreciate it. If you didn't and would like to in the future, Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, you can go to f5live.tv slash join us and you can chat with us in the studio. Give us your feedback on the topics as we talk about them. We always love to hear what you have to say about the topics. Um, if you're not able to join us live, that's okay to plughitslive.com slash subscribe. There you'll see all of our shows, F5 Live, Pilch Point, Plug Hits Live Presents, and a whole lot more. And of course, you'll find all the ways to watch, listen, and follow along. Um, lots of stuff going on right now. Expect lots of new content. And I think I may have just accidentally committed to uh, streaming Netflix games. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there might be some of that as well. You know, things happen. Oh, well. Uh, but... Uh, if that happens, it'll be fun anyway. So I play them. We might as well share them with the rest of the world. Um, but I guess with that, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we'll see you back next time. Ciao.